0: Dr. Lou, ready to roll, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. You have pain concerns, health concerns, stuff bugging you. The body's not working like it should. Well, give me the fact that you're over 40, but I digress. Uh, give us a call. We'd love to talk to you over the next hour. Um, we want to get into this right away, though, and I know this is something you offer in your clinic and people should be made aware of. Um, free consultations, which is yeah, yeah. fantastic. Sure. Hold on, i got to turn your mic on there oh. first. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to keep what are you doing, case. Jackie? Jeez. No, not working? Excellent. There we go. There it is. And we're back. There it is. <laughs> I thought it sounded different
1: than usual. Yeah, um, yeah no, uh, for sure. Free consultations, not not too different than what we're doing here. It can be a simple phone call, one 855 Five five, Doctor Lou. You give me a call. Uh, hit option two. It leaves me a voicemail. Nice. I will do my best to get back to you within forty eight hours for sure, but oftentimes even sooner than that. And we can just have a quick conversation. Uh, and based on that conversation, if I think there's something that potentially I can help with, or someone in my team sure will will do that. If it's something that I think you need to go see somewhere someone else, I'll make those recommendations. But at the very least, this is cost. It doesn't cost anything, right? right? It's just a conversation with... A lot of people even just call. They're saying, you know, I have to go to my family doctor. Here's what I'm feeling. What should I I be be asking? asking? Simple things like that, right? Talking to somebody who's knowledgeable uh, can really make the difference in what are the important questions to ask. And then, you know, if there's things that we need to assess, you come on in. We, we go through a full assessment. Uh, and we've talked about a ton of the cases that I see anything. And when I look at a patient, um, essentially, especially with pain, because that's mainly what we're dealing with is pain-based disorders. Uh, what I'm always looking at is I look at every patient on a spectrum. When I hear pain, I don't. A lot of the problems is sometimes practitioners just jump to what's common, right? They hear pain, must be a muscle or joint. No. I look at people, I see a spectrum of all the way from very benign like a muscle or joint to obviously very serious like cancer infection. Now, that's obviously much rarer, but my job is to not make any predetermined beliefs based on just you telling me you have low back pain. I'm going to look at you. I'm going to say, okay... It could be anything right now. Now let's start talking. And as we talk, it starts to send me either one way or another. Uh, Then as we're done talking, we move on to a physical exam. That keeps pointing me in another direction. Uh, And then if I think you need special testing, whether it's an x-ray, special imaging, blood work, we'll get someone in my team. My team is comprised, again, I'm a chiropractor myself. Uh, I mainly do only assessments, but my whole team is comprised of everyone from physicians to physiotherapists to osteopaths to massage therapists i work with everybody uh because i'm of the belief that no one person can solve everything in pain management you do need that multidisciplinary approach and that's what i'm here to provide
0: 416-870-6400-640 on cell johnny off the off the hop right away how are you pal uh excellent good what's your concern
2: thanks for taking my call uh, I just wanted to ask you, I'm an electrician. I've been diagnosed with carpal tunnel. I had nerve tests done on the hand. Yep. Did you know anything about the success rate? He told my doctor that I need surgery, but what's the success
1: rate for a surgery? Well, it depends. Tunnel? Yeah. So when we look at something like a carpal tunnel syndrome, what that is, is an impingement of the median nerve. So your upper extremity has three main nerves that supply uh, the arm, the ulnar nerve, the radial nerve, and the median nerve, the median nerve, uh, travels into the the wrist through the carpal tunnel. That's why it's called carpal tunnel syndrome. And it supplies mainly the the thumb, the index finger, and the middle finger uh, in terms of nerve distribution. So what you have to try to understand about carpal tunnel syndrome, it's like I always talk about what's really a good clinical sign versus what's a true diagnosis. Right. If there's a problem within the carpal tunnel itself, that tunnel, oftentimes the surgery is done so that you can relieve pressure within the tunnel itself, mm-hmm. then the surgery will have good success rate. If you're unsure that it's actually due to the fact that it's, uh, you know, the tunnel itself being uh, compromised, you can even have muscles within the wrist that are just putting pressure on the, mus- on the nerve, creating that same type of symptom. You could have it at the elbow, you could have it at the shoulder, you can have it at the neck, and all those things can feel like carpal tunnel, but are not tr- truly a carpal tunnel syndrome, they're just a median nerve irritation. So when people describe that type of sensation this is where I say, okay, you have a median nerve um, distribution uh, problem, we need to figure out is it a peripheral entrapment, is it at the carpal tunnel itself, is it in some of the muscles in the wrist, is it at the elbow where the nerve passes through other structures is it at the shoulder or is it at the neck? So uh, if the if the reason becomes that yes, it is in fact at the carpal tunnel and yes, in fact, it's it's being compromised in the carpal tunnel and the surgery is going to do something to relieve that pressure, then yes, the surgery, uh, will likely be successful, but it's, it's a big if depending on, is that the true case? Uh, and oftentimes, um, you know, people just assume that everything that is, you know, numbness, tingling in those three fingers is termed carpal tunnel syndrome, and that may not necessarily be the case. So, if Johnny, if you're certain, if you and your doctor are certain that, yes, in fact, it I don't is. Know,
2: he, he gave me a, a, a neurology test.
1: Yeah, a nerve conduction right. study probably, yep.
2: At the hospital. Right. Uh, the guy that uh, took the test, the neurologist, says that uh, uh, I have
1: severe carpal tunnel in the right hand, so... Okay. Well, I don't then, know if
2: the test, is the test 100% or...
1: Well, I, I mean, no, nothing's ever 100%, but that is likely what they should have been doing, so that sounds right. When, when you have that, you do want to do a nerve conduction study, and what they essentially do in that is they're sending uh, signals throughout the whole nerve, and they're seeing where that signal gets hindered. Uh, And if they see it gets hindered at the carpal tunnel, well, then it's the carpal tunnel. Now, the only thing in that area, though, is there are muscles, right? And so now you can't determine, is it the tunnel itself or is it a muscle right there? So in all honesty, to be 100% sure, Johnny, I'd have to look at it uh, to do a couple different tests to determine if it's for sure the tunnel itself or if it's potentially a muscle. Uh, But, you know, in the absence of that, there's no success. You can never guarantee 100% success with anything. uh, But if you... Are more than certain that it's the carpal tunnel itself, then you should have good success.
0: In the meantime, I'll give you a number, Johnny. If you want to follow up uh, anytime, it's one eight five 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 five. Doctor Lou D R L O U. We'll take our first break. More of your phone calls. You know that number four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on cell. You got pain? You got questions? Medical questions? Bring them on. Doctor Lou is here. Yeah, your phone calls four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on cell. Mike, thanks for hanging in through the break, fella. How are you? Hi, right, good. Thanks, guys. Sure. What's your concern? So I was, uh,
2: I guess about a year and a half ago, I was diagnosed through MRI with some congenital um, L4, L5, I guess, essentially bul- bulging. I apologize, I don't recall all the details, but um, I was curious if therapy or uh, surgery would ben- would benefit better.
1: Right. Um, it's, it's unlikely to me that it would have been a congenital L4, L5 disc bulge. What may be more common is sometimes you can have uh, what's called a PARS defect, uh, which is a uh, kind of, I'll use the term fracture, it's its an area of the bone where it's not connected and that can be congenital, uh, that could potentially lead to a disc bulge. I'm not, I've never really heard of a congenital uh, disc bulge because congenital means from birth, so it's unlikely uh, that you would have had uh, a disc bulge straight from birth. Having said that, uh, my opinion always with any type of pain disorder is you should start um, most conservatively and then move to m- most intervention as the things that are more conservative don't work. So that yeah, I would say probably try therapy first. If therapy isn't getting the results, then you move to things that are more invasive uh, just because, again, you, there's, no, there's no guarantee that something like surgery helps, especially with pain levels. And so you don't necessarily want to jump to something like that because of all the potential side effects uh, if you haven't tried the other things. And most surgeons that would operate on something like that would probably suggest try some therapy first, then come back and see me. Unless it's, uh, you know, a a case, there's some cases where people get severe disc herniations, total impingement on a nerve. No amount of therapy in the world is going to help you with that. These people become debilitated. They got to remove that, right? So, But in a a scenario where it's not that bad, where it's a disc bulge, it's causing some type of pain, uh, if there's no you know, bad neurological effects like loss reflexes, atrophy of muscles, loss of motor strength, and loss of sensation, then it, I don't personally think uh, surgery is something that you should jump right to, probably therapy. The right type of therapy, which is, you know, a whole, a whole other conversation, is right. going to be much more uh, beneficial, likely, than jumping to surgery.
0: Okay, thank you. No problem. One eight five 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 five. Doctor Lou. By the way, uh, Mike, if you want to follow up, you have you have colleagues in, oh, in yeah. the Picking yeah, area. Yeah. You can take care yeah. of them for sure. We've
1: got we've got I've got a provider network across yeah. most of Ontario. Yeah. Uh, so if you you know if it's I, a lot of people want to see me when they call me, uh, I practice out of Etobicoke myself, so they can come see me that mm-hmm. one time there if they really really want. But then if they need long term therapy, I can recommend them somewhere close
0: to home for sure. Got uh, Jack here. Good uh, good afternoon, Jack. How are you? Fine, thanks. Good. What's your concern?
2: It was August 2004, amputation, left leg below the knee. Mm-hmm. Thirteen years later, phantom pain is still racing up and down. Okay. Any thoughts?
1: Yeah, for sure. And uh, I've talked about phantom limb pain a lot more as a as an example of how important the mind is. We
0: did last in, week, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: how important the mind is in... Uh, in, in, in pain management. And so obviously uh, what phantom limb pain teaches us is that although there's the absent, absent physical part of the body that's in pain, you still have what is oftentimes called a brain map for that area. Hmm. And so now you have to figure out ways to stimulate that part of the brain uh, without actually being able to stimulate that body part. Um, Dr. Ram Chandran, who wrote a book called uh, Phantoms in the Brain, is the leading expert on uh, things like this phantom limb pain. And what he was able to uh, figure out was he did what was called brain maps. So he was able to look at, okay, what area in the brain would correspond to, let's say, the left lower leg? Sure. And he would find that if someone lost that left lower leg, that area of the brain wouldn't necessarily go away, but it would diminish in size, and surrounding areas would become bigger taking on that part of the brain. And so he found that it didn't need to make anatomical sense. Sometimes what happened was, you know, that person's left cheek uh, brain map would be next to their left leg brain map, and so the cheek got bigger. So people that had chronic itches in that phantom limb in that phantom limb would just scratch that corresponding that part is in their weird. face, That's and bizarre. you could do do some stuff with that. So um, there's definitely answers for phantom limb, and uh, and and like I said, Dr. Ram Chanderon has done a ton of work on this. We have people at the clinic actually, uh, Jack, who work on this type of stuff. Uh, please give me a call because I think there is a lot that can be done, in it. And for the longest time, it was the belief that there was nothing that could be done. And right. so uh, even, Jack, if you just start by reading that book called Phantoms in the Brain, it's a great read. It's a, it's a little maybe neural a little deep, a little deep for yeah. the average person. Another good alternative to that is uh, Norman Deutsch's book called uh, The Brain That Changed Itself. And uh, he has a chapter specifically dedicated to Ram Chandran's work, and it's more of an everyday read. And it's and it's, it'll be very, very helpful. One of those two books again? Uh, the first one is Phantoms in the Brain by Dr. Ram Chanderon. And the second is uh, The Brain That Changed Itself by Norman Deutsch, who's a psychiatrist, I believe, out of New York.
0: Jack, that number if you need to, to call uh, Dr. Lou in the clinic. You're close by, by the way. It's uh, one 855 uh, Lou We'll take a, a short break. I want to get into something you said a short time ago. We'll sure. revisit that, talking about pain as well. And your phone calls four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell right till 1 o'clock. Dr. Payne Show Talk Radio AM six forty. Dr. Payne Show, indeed. Yeah, that number is, is open. We got open lines. You want to give us a call? We'd love to hear about uh, your concerns until one o'clock. Ed, good afternoon.
2: Hi, how are you?
0: Good, pal. What's going on with you? Hey, Ed. Ed. No, Ed's still there. My mic's off again. There it is. <laughs> Ed, you still there, brother? Yeah, we'll try to get Ed back. Uh, something you said earlier about uh, surgery, and I just I, I wanted to make a mention of it. you. You snuck it in there during one of your comments in the last break, or at least last segment, and that was surgery may cure the problem, but not get rid of the pain. Some people assume that hey, just had surgery, going to be pain free. Yep, for sure. And so I work with a couple surgeons, and uh, in fact, we've had
1: um, we had one show with Doctor Manoj Bragava, who's an mm-hmm. orthopedic surgeon, and there's a lot of knees, right? Knees, shoulders, yeah. yeah. And um, the one thing you need to be certain with, and, and that is that the pain—see, pain is hard to always uh, narrow down to just one specific structure. And if you can do that, then you can almost be certain that, you know, if you remove or repair that structure, then yes, uh, you may improve the pain. But that's not always the case. Uh, Oftentimes, surgery is used for function. Right to improve function. And, I, and a, an example of that is, let's say you've been dislocating your shoulder repeatedly just because of weak rotator cuff muscles. Right. Well, the only thing you can really do in that scenario is get surgery to tighten up that rotator cuff. And yes, you will lose range of motion because that's the very Short definition the muscle, right? of making it stable. But those people often have a pain syndrome going along as well. Now that surgery is going to be great for preventing future dislocations, gotcha. but it may not necessarily solve the pain that they've been having. Uh, And so some surgeries are better than others for removing pain. uh, But you need to be certain that whatever the issue is that you're going to operate on is the pain generating source. Because if it's not for sure the pain generating source, then the likelihood is that you're still going to have pain. This is why things like spine surgery are done so much uh, less now than they were 30 years ago yeah. because the belief 30 years ago was oh you had a, a you have a disc bulge we'll just remove that disc and we will we'll, be fine y- and we'll fuse yeah. the the bones and you'll be fine and no that doesn't happen these people in fact develop greater pain uh, because again you can't be sure that that one thing is the the pain generating structure and so you know that's not to say surgery doesn't have its place everything has its place in healthcare, but you need to be sure and a lot of people would want to jump to surgery uh just simply for the fact that they believe it will help with their pain levels that may not necessarily be the case and most surgeons will make that aware to uh people going that, in right yeah, for yeah. sure
0: yeah 100 percent ed we'll give you another kick at the can here hey ed hi there you are. hey oh my God. we're okay what's what's your concern i don't know what happened i don't know
2: anyway it's about years ago, and somewhere between now and ten years ago, I killed a nerve in my left arm. Okay. I lost weight off that side of my shoulder, my arm, everything. Yeah. I went there and saw some neurologists. They ended up finding four herniated discs in my neck. Okay. While they were arguing which herniation was causing my problem, I repaired my son.
1: Okay. So
2: and- they started doing tests to see why I was getting better. Mm-hmm and they found that uh, i was uh, actually regrowing the nerve in my arm okay and then they found that it was due to knots in my back that actually cut circulation mm-hmm. from my arm
1: yeah so so their original diagnosis was then likely wrong and that's kind of goes back to what i was talking about with uh, the median nerve of the carpal tunnel the way we started today's show yeah. Um,
2: prior prior to this happening, I was diagnosed with carpal tunnel. I still ex- get the tingling in your yep. finger. Yeah,
1: exactly. So that's where, and, and that's good on your part, Ed, that you were able to, to alleviate what was going on with you. But this is where not having a preconceived notion about what a person's diagnosis is as a health professional is so extremely yep. important. You need to look at the clinical signs and symptoms and look at all potential options for those clinical signs and symptoms and then start to deduct, okay, what could it be? What could it not be? Mm-hmm. And you can rule things out. And again, the most common cause for what Ed is describing would be herniated disc. That's what most professionals would jump to. Right. However, what Ed is telling you is that, no, that nerve was being impinged because of very tight muscles somewhere else. So if you release the pressure on that muscle, well, now the nerve flow comes back. Um, And that's very, very important. And another thing, Ed, about what you said, which I actually try to go through this with my patients. A lot of times I'll have patients that come in and say they're talking about some type of pain that they had and it started 10 years ago and they can't figure out why it ever started. And so we term that insidious. We don't know. It just happened. It is what it is. And they'll say, Yeah, but I wanna know why it happened. And right. they spend so much time and effort looking back. trying to figure it out with other healthcare professionals that all they're doing is fighting against the clock on doing the intervention to just get it better. At that point, the only thing that should be important is fine, we may never figure that out unless we get a time machine, go back, um and determine what was the specific cause, which a lot of the times it's not one cause. It's repetitive strain sprain. So it's just something that's been wrong for so long. Uh, And so people need to remove the worry about, but what caused it? And worry about, well, how do I get it better? Because that oftentimes is more important. Deal with the fact. The fact is you're living in pain. You're not sure where it started, but let's get to the solution. And if you focus your energy that way, it's going to do you much more good than just focusing on what potentially started it. So good on you, Ed, for, uh, for yeah. you know, not focusing on that and focusing on how do I get it better and, and looking at the alternatives that were available.
2: Right. Now, my question is, now, uh, I do still have the herniations in my neck, and I still have some issues probably from them. Yep. And. All they really wanted to do was load, load me up on the oxy's and
1: mm-hmm.
2: and all, all that stuff. Right, and I, I was refusing. I, I couldn't do it because of my job. Yep. and uh, so I, now I'm wondering what if what I sh- could or should do.
1: Yeah, so from, a, from yeah, so from a specific standpoint, Ed. Uh, I'd obviously have to assess you and take a close look at this, go through the full health history, look at any yeah. scans that you've had, and then I can make that recommendation. Okay, here's on what you can do to prevent flare-ups. Here's what you can do to maybe help yourself manage the issues that you still have. It, it would be very hard for me to just give, you know, a general... Uh, I understand. Yeah, so, I mean, if you're interested, I'm I'm happy to do that. That's, that's why I do what I do is uh, yeah. so that people like you... You were
2: com- my mechanic and I didn't bring you my car. You exactly. Yeah, yeah that's a great car.
1: analogy. Right. I'm going to have to use that. I <laughs> like exactly that, great. yeah. If you don't bring me the car, I can't tell you exactly what's wrong with it, for sure.
0: And again, that number, 1-855-55-DrLOU, D-R-L-O-U. Ed sounds like he'll be easy to work with. Yeah. That's the kind of patient well, that's that's like. The, yeah, well, I like. He kind of cured himself a yeah, MacGyver. that sucker. You gotta, we don't know what he again, did,
1: but. you got you to take uh, responsibility for mm-hmm. your own health, 100%.
0: Got open lines. You want to give us a call? We'd love to hear from you as well. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Dr. Pain Show, talk radio, AM640. Pain issues, want to give us a call? And Dr. Lou will... We'll tackle them as best we can over the next half hour. Got to Adrian on the line. Good afternoon, Adrian. Hi.
3: Hi. How's it going?
0: Good. What's going on with you?
3: Um, I think about a year or two. I started noticing sometimes I would be walking, and I would have a sharp shooting pain almost at like the base of my back. I guess where the tailbone is. So I noticed when I bend over or bend down and pick something up. Not always, but it would usually happen after that. And if I stop movement. Um, It would usually go away in, you know, a couple of seconds to a minute. Okay. How old are you? Um, I'm 33. I do graphic design, so a lot of the time I'm just sitting down in front of a computer.
1: Right. Okay. And this, you said, started about a year ago?
3: Uh, A year or two ago. It would come on on and off maybe uh, every couple of months, one time, every couple of months. But it happened uh, this week two times, um, and I wasn't really lifting anything heavy. Right. So I'm just so, getting a bit concerned. That, yeah. H-
1: have you had it taken a look at yet by anybody over the last two years? No. No, no
3: I've never mentioned it before, so no yeah. scans or anything.
1: Yeah, so so the thing about any back pain is that this is kind of like the classic um, problem, I'll say, with, with back pain is that people will feel it. It's very infrequent, so they think not much about it. Mm-hmm. The problem with back pain is that once you experience it once, you're likely to re-experience it, okay. and then what ends up happening is as you experience it more, you're more likely to keep experiencing it and for it to also become more severe and, uh, and in- intensified over time. And so, uh, you know, what the potential causes, again, the way I started the show was talking about that. When I look at back pain, I look at it at a, at a spectrum where we're looking from very benign to very serious. Now, you sound already just based on your age and based on the length of time that it's likely more on the benign side. Um, Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean it's wear and tear, right? So if these things, when you start to have early pain that oftentimes as humans we tend to ignore, those are just warning signs. They're warning bells that your body's telling you, hey, there's an issue in this area, uh, Mm -hmm. and to get it checked out. So uh, before it gets any worse, I would suggest just getting it checked out because the likelihood is if you can get it checked out uh, by someone who knows what they're doing, they take a look at it, they make the right recommendations, you will... I don't want to say you would get rid of it because, again, it's very hard to cure anything, but you'll be yeah. man- able to manage it. You'll be able to understand what types of things are potentially aggravating it because we would need to figure out exactly what the pain-generating structure is. And as an example, if we determine, okay, it's a bit of a disc issue, then there's going to be different things that we would tell you to avoid versus if we thought it was a muscular issue or a facet joint issue or uh-huh. anything else, right? So – um you know come come see me let's do an assessment i see you're in brampton so you're not far from where i actually practice which is in etobicoke at highway 27 and humber college boulevard uh, across from uh, etobicoke general hospital let's take a look mm-hmm. at it we'll we'll get to the bottom of it and then from there i can make the recommendations on on
0: what you need to do Phone call Adrian one eight five 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 Doctor Lou. It's all you can almost see it there. I mean he's not there yet, but you can see how the the mental component gets into that eventually because now it becomes a regular thing.
1: Yeah, and it's the worrying component, right? That and this is why a lot of times, and and this is kind of what I do, what why I do what I'm doing is don't ignore those early things that like that little uh, benign pain that oh yeah my ankle is just a little sore once in a while. Yeah, Yeah, once in a while those are things that's if you get it taken care of then. That's what prevents the big injuries later Good on. Bad. Funny enough, and so uh, you know, don't ignore those little things and, and go see a professional for that.
0: Good afternoon, Ron. How are you? Not too, not too bad. How are you? No, I'm Good. okay. What's uh, what's your concern today? Hello. Yep, we got you there. How are you, Ron? It's Hello? cell phone day. Yeah. yeah, can you hear us, Ron? We can Hello. hear you.
2: I can hear
4: you. There you
0: are. <laughs> go ahead, pal.
4: Um, I'm having kidney um. I know that my I'm having kidney problems. Okay. And uh I got pain and it gives me high blood pressure. Okay. I'm on Norvasc and um mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And um it flares up every now and then recently. And the big problem is it, um I think mentally it kind of bothers me that uh uh I'm not sure if it's um Life-ending, or what the situation is with it.
1: Okay, so what what is the kidney problem? Is someone giving you a diagnosis, or, or what whatever's uh, going it's on?
4: Fifty percent function, apparently.
1: Okay, and that's and that's all that you know. They haven't given you a reason as to why that's only fifty percent function.
4: No, not a real reason. All it is is the blood test that I've had, and uh, you know they showing that protein and some others um, yeah. I forget what it is
1: but right so again those things are all good clinical signs that tell us that there's something else going on so I would encourage you um, whoever you're dealing with are you dealing with a, a urologist or somebody yes yeah. I am. yeah so I would just encourage you to keep going back and try to get an answer because again the biggest the biggest predictor of what the treatment should be is what the diagnosis is right, right. if you don't have a diagnosis you could treat potentially a clinical sign that's being caused by multiple different uh, pathologies that could all be treated different ways. So you kind of need to narrow down uh, what the issue is. And oftentimes that takes time. It's not necessarily a one day step, Uh, but I would just encourage you if you are dealing with a urologist for this, continue to deal with them uh, and try to get to the bottom of it, which I'm sure they're doing anyways. Uh, And then based on coming to an actual diagnosis, uh, they will be able to find potentially solutions for that. Obviously, it, you know the kidneys are a vital organ so any issue with them is something that needs to be concerning and and you need to take care of that whether it's immediately life-threatening or not I'm not sure I can't comment on that because I don't know uh, your your full clinical history okay. uh, but definitely continue to work with the people that you're working to, to try to get to the bottom of it
4: is there anything you can take um,
1: like uh, yeah again help? yeah so again that that. Is treatment right? So you're you're kind of asking, what is the treatment? If I don't know what the diagnosis is, I don't know your history. I can't really comment on is there something that you can take. I think that is something you definitely need to talk with uh, over with the people that you're dealing with, uh, and they can make that recommendation.
0: Ron, appreciate the call. Uh, pardon me, Ron. Now we'll get you in just before our break. What's going on, Ron? Oh, hey, hello, pal. Thanks
2: for taking.
0: My- yep, no worries for
2: taking my call. Yes, I have excruciating left shoulder pain. I've gone through Cairo. Uh, osteo massage, and he's finally working with the physio, and he's doing some needling, okay. which appears to be working in uh, these very tight muscles. It uh, kills my sleep, etc. Mm-hmm. My GP gave me some uh, muscle relaxants and some, some anti-inflammatories to help through the night, so I'm getting some relief. I also have these winged scapulas. They say, uh, what else can I do to you know make sure this doesn't come back and sure and continue to move forward?
1: How much active rehabilitation have you done?
2: Uh, like as, exercise, uh, sorry? Uh, exercise is uh, minimal at this point.
1: Yeah. So, so again, the most important thing with shoulder issues that are, um, you know, general pain syndrome, the, the, The hardest thing about the shoulder is that it essentially attaches to our body just through muscles. Uh, And it's all predetermined based on our posture of the scapula, the way it sits on the rib cage. If you have a winging scapula, that's often a result of a a weak serratus anterior. And so what you need to be doing a lot of the times, the problem is, is too many people focus on just the passive intervention. What can someone else do to me to make me feel temporarily better, which is important. But if you don't do anything on your own to sustain those, effects, then you always keep falling into the same cycle. So if this is something that has now been going on for a period of time, it sounds like you've done a lot of passive intervention. You need to work with somebody who's going to show you the active component on all the things that you have to do rehabilitation wise, posture wise, and how you bring that into your life. Uh, in a functional way, because a lot of the things that are given out there aren't functional. People do have to sit at their desks; they do have to continue to their jobs. That doesn't mean that you can't do those things in a better way, and so it needs to become much more functional evaluation uh, than it is just passive intervention. So, uh, you know, if if you need help finding someone, give me a call. We'll we'll help you find someone that can deal with that. And that
0: number, uh, Rob, one eight five 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 five. Doctor Lou, D R L O U. In the meantime, your phone calls uh, right here at the radio. Station right till one o'clock, four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred, star six forty on cell. Doctor Pain Show Talk Radio, AM six forty. Outside of show hours, free consultations, make sure you give uh, Doctor Lou a call, one eight five 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 Doctor Lou, or info at paincare dot com, three mail. Dolores, good afternoon. How are you?
5: Hi, how are you?
0: Good. How's Collingwood? Love Collingwood. Good times. Oh,
5: well, it's nice I today, bet. the weather's warming
0: up. You bet. What's going on with you?
5: Well, I'm Oh, a little over a year ago I'm I'm in housekeeping and I just started um with a severe pain um in my shoulder blade, in my neck and in my muscle in my right arm and I could feel it in my rib area. Okay. And this has been going on for such a long time. I'm constantly have a headache at just about every they almost i have a headache, and I just finished work and i couldn't um i I was just bent over in pain I've gone to i've been doing laser I went to sports medicine they froze um in my neck I've gotten massage um I went to see chiropractor um nothing is helping they have me on pain medication strong pain medication and i could when i take it i could still feel the pain
1: right so this kind of goes back to the last call as well because see the issue is that a lot of the passive intervention well does when you get any type of treatment do you find that it's at the very least temporary beneficial like where it's better for a few hours or anything like that
5: um, when I got the massage, uh, um, I felt it, it helped for a couple hours right so the number thing
1: the it? number one thing that I would recommend is you 've done a lot of different treatment interventions, stick with the one that at the very least provides some relief if you don't do the other things that aren't providing relief uh, and the second thing that I would say is you now have to look at what is causing this day to day right This is the active component. this is what I was talking about with the last Uh, caller with, you know, is it potentially something that you're doing in your job, the way you're doing at home? Someone needs to functionally evaluate your life in terms of work and activities of daily living to see if there's a contributing factor in the way you're doing certain things, which is aggravating the issue. Because again, I've always said, you can go for therapy Two, three hours every single day if you really wanted to. You're still going to have 20 plus hours with you, your body, alone yeah. with the things that you're doing day to day. And if you do the wrong things in that time, well, then you're going to aggravate the issue and, and it's going to be a vicious cycle of it never actually getting better. So that's what it kind of sounds like to me, Dolores, that there's probably a component where... There's something that you're doing day to day uh, that's probably yeah. re-aggravating the issue. And in the absence of removing that aggravating or at least modifying the way that you're doing that that specific um, activity, well, then you'll never really solve the issue. So I would say that that's probably the next logical step in your care uh, is, is someone that I, can assess that.
5: I took I almost... Two months off, and I was still in pain.
1: Yeah. So, again, uh, so, so, again, that's that's a misconception. Taking time off, I don't mean. You know, sometimes not doing anything is worse than doing right. something. So I'm not saying that it's necessarily that you need to stop moving because that could actually be worse than if you continue moving. It's about doing the right things. It's about assessing are you healthy? Do you, like, are you, are, are you in a good health in terms of like weight, uh, diet, et cetera, et cetera, and changing those things if that's not uh, um, something that's no, in check, I'm right?
5: Not. Yeah. And My so, doctor's upset.
1: <laughs> y- well, then that's a big first step, right? Good cardiovascular health helps the body to heal. And so I, I often laugh when I see people who are in poor cardiovascular health and someone's recommended here, do this rehab exercise. Guess what? If you don't have a good cardiovascular system to get blood and nutrients there and take away yeah. the garbage from that area, it doesn't yeah. matter what you do. My first recommendation is start walking 30 minutes every single day. Clean up your diet. There's no rocket science to a good diet. Good diet is limiting uh, you know, processed foods, things like grains, things that are made in a factory, sticking with yeah. real, real life, foods like vegetables, fruits, limiting our protein intake, drinking water, taking out all the sodas. that It's not rocket science. You do those things. That's already going to be a world of a difference.
5: I don't drink pop. I drink. I have sickle cell anemia, so I drink tons and tons of well, water. And my job, I'm always walking yeah, and doing sure. it. And
1: even what you just said, the sickle, sickle cell anemia is a comorbidity that would contribute to... Um, the way you're going to experience pain. Anytime we look at someone who has pain, we also look at what other things health-wise do they have going on, which may hinder their prognosis. And something like sickle cell anemia, again, what did I just say? That bringing blood to and from an area is very important. In sickle cell, that capacity is limited because the actual cells are deformed. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's actually less oxygen. So that, that may be a reason uh, for your levels as well, but give me a call if you're interested. We can assess it and, and be specific for sure.
0: Appreciate your call, Dolores. We'll take a uh, short break here. More of your phone calls after said break. One eight five 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 five. Doctor Lou, remember free consultations. Call that number. Info at paincarecanada.com. dot com. Doctor Pain Show Talk Radio. AM six forty one eight five 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 five. Doctor Lou D R L O U. James, thanks for hanging in, fella. How are you? Good. How are
2: you guys doing?
0: Good. What's going on with you?
2: So I work in construction. I have really strong hands but i'm getting pain basically anytime i put my hand in a pouch or say scratch my head mm-hmm. i get really like a flash of pain in my fingers okay not so the joint it's not the knuckle but like in the joints of my middle and ring fingers
1: okay and how long has that been going on
2: uh about four or five months
1: okay and wh- what type of construction do you do
2: i i do drywall and uh, heavy gauge steel
1: right okay i mean it it in the hand, obviously, it's going to be probably muscular or, or a joint-related issue. Uh, there are a lot of nerves that go into the hand, and if if you're using your hands a lot, which obviously with the type of job that you're doing, you're going to get tense muscles, right? It would be no different than someone who sits at a desk and has to use their shoulders a lot to, you know, work on their keyboard, those muscles get tight and cause a constellation of symptoms into the upper limb, you're probably experiencing the same thing. Just instead of being in the shoulders, it's probably in the hand. Um, obviously, to be sure, James, we'd have to look at it to see exactly what's potentially going on, which way it's aggravated, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But it likely sounds that it's muscular, or, or at least mechanical, let's say mechanical. Uh, and that being the case, you know, you'd need probably a little bit of therapy to just release that area. Um, and you probably would feel much better. So, I mean, if it's something you're interested in, we can assess it and we can make the treatment recommendations for sure.
2: Okay, no, that sounds great. Thanks
0: okay. for help. Okay, no problem, James. Appreciate it, pal. Got uh, Mike in line. Hey, Mike, good afternoon.
1: Hey,
2: how you doing, guys?
0: Good, what's going on?
2: Okay, I got a call uh, from my wife. She has a reoccurring problem with um, lower back pain in yep. the uh, pelvic area. Okay. Um. I'm not sure what um, if, if it's like muscular or um, or bone. Like it probably isn't bone, right? Because
4: she'd be in a lot more pain. Mm,
1: not necessarily. No. no, not necessarily. I mean, I, I obviously don't know either what exactly it is because I haven't seen your wife. I mean, we would have to. Uh, assess it to be sure what the pain generating structure is and once we're able to determine okay where's the pain arising from then again we make the recommendations based on that uh, that finding to say okay it's muscular for example here's what you should do uh, or it's joint related here's what you should do here's it's bone etc etc so again back pain is a spectrum it could be a, a a million different things well not a million literally but it could be a ton of different things uh, our job as professionals is to look at it and determine okay what structure is generating the pain and then based on that finding that's how you can make the recommendation of what the the treatment intervention should be
3: i see okay
1: okay so, I mean, you can have your wife give us a call. Yep. Uh, someone in my team or myself, we're happy to assess it and try to figure it out.
0: Mike, it's one eight five 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 five. doctor Lou Got Teresa on the line. Good afternoon, Teresa. How are you?
6: Good afternoon. Thanks. Thank you for taking my call. Sure, go ahead. What happened to me, it's on Monday morning, I got up. I was fine. Half an hour later, I had a really, I got an acute pain on the left side of my neck and it was radiating into my upper shoulder there. Yeah. But It was so bad that I couldn't I couldn't move like half an inch to the left. I was uh, stiff. It was so painful, and I was on vacation, of course. I ended up had to go see the doctor there, and I got two injections, and um, and uh, it got better about four hours later or so. But I still have the pain. I I. I mean, it's not as bad, not nearly as bad. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering what could have triggered that so suddenly to be so acute every two three seconds It was like a spasm, yep it, it got me in tears and and I could see the muscle like bulging out. Mm-hmm. It was just horrible
1: yeah like, so so it, it could have been again tears. it's it's likely mechanical, it could have been a disc, could have been the joint, could have been the muscles. It's hard to say for sure, oftentimes wow. once something goes wrong with one, they all kind of. Uh, go wrong at the same time. But your experience is not uncommon. Uh, it's a very common thing that we see people that just get uh, spasms in the neck, the low back, and and it's that bad. Again, similar to what I said to one of our callers today, sometimes don't worry about exactly what would have caused it, but just right. worry about getting it better because that effort is going to be much better uh, spent there. And you know, for everybody listening, the one thing that I just want to highlight again, give me a call. You, this is the same thing that you can do today on the radio for an hour. You can call me at any point, leave exactly. me a message. We'll have a conversation. I'll try to give you some advice and uh, we see where we go from there. So you know the number one eight five 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 Doctor Lou
0: drlou And info at paincarecanada.com three email till next week. And that'll be it. Uh, the Dr. Payne Show and talk radio AM 640.